Minus three is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. You get great odds and markets for those NBA finals. What remains of them? The NHL Stanley Cup final is upon us. Major League Baseball and oh so much more. Great new and existing user promos. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook for a multitude of reasons like it's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get your winnings delivered in as quick as two hours. And of course, there is always the same game parlay. You combine multiple bets from the same game into the same game parlay. You can discover the most popular ones each day right when you log in. And if you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started right now. Just make sure you do your pals here at Minus 3 a favor and sign up with the promo code MINUS3. That's the word MINUS, the number three, so they know we sent you spaghetti. Let's get this one going. It doesn't matter what time of the year it is, the bay, you know, it can be cold, but... When it's one of those days where it's in the low 60s and the sun, sun is shining, you, I, I make it a point to jump in the ocean. I just think the ocean has healing properties that a pool might not have or a cold tub. And just to be immersed in nature like that, it just it really makes me happy. And just your whole body feels so great when you get out of that cold water. And it just feel like... Honestly, you just feel a little clo- closer to God when you look up at the beautiful skies and you just in the ocean. Like it's a, I'm an Aquarius, so I just have always loved the water my whole life, and it really is my happy place besides the hardwood. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Clay oh, Thompson has discovered the magical medicinal healing powers. Of the sea! I don't want to be a snob about it, by the way. I think it's the Pacific. I've been in the Atlantic. I've been in other bodies of water before. But for me, I'm with Clay. The Pacific has healing powers. You don't just go in there to wash off the day soils, you understand. It's magical. It blends with it. It's very cold when you get in. You should be forewarned. But 8 to 11 seconds after you get into the sea, your your, your body temperature melts with that of the Pacific, and you wash off not just the day soils, but all of society's hills. You saw Clay do just that, emerge, born anew, a new shooter, a new weapon for those Golden State Warriors. Now just one game away from winning the title. Hi and hello, and welcome to Minus 3. Coming up in just a second here, we have Brad Spielberger from PFF and over the cap, one of our favorite guys to talk to. I'm a dumb guy. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't indulge. I, I don't know about numbers. I didn't get into this line of work to do math. That's why I got into it. So I didn't have to do math. But as it turns out, in the 21st century, big contracts and such require you have a certain handle on these things. That's why we call up our pal Brad Spielberger to make sense of what's going on in pro football with all the major deals going down there. A lot of them, Lamar Jackson seems pending. Deshaun Watson, $230 million and a whole can of worms for the Browns to deal with. We'll talk about that in just a second. Meantime, I'm back from Lake Arrowhead celebrating my birthday, continuing a birthday tradition when I was one uh, just before my first birthday I fell off my tricycle and busted up my eye and and, uh, had a big black eye and so to honor that I got gave myself one with the car door as we got into the car all the kids were in the back seat ready to roll I opened the car door right into my face and gave myself a shiner to honor one-year-old Dave um, how was your weekend there Eddie Spaghetti 
Um, it was all right. Uh, you know, obviously with the the Rangers losing, it, things could have been better. But uh, you know, it was a nice weather weekend here. Uh, took a trip around to Manhattan Beach, walked the beach a little bit. So it's I'm trying to just uh, cleanse myself of a bad playoff loss. But I guess excited now going into baseball mode for for the Yankees. And I guess with our guest Brad Spielberger, I guess football is going to start trickling in soon too. So I guess just changing gears to different sports. Oh, I've turned the faucet already, Spaghetti. Join me. But speaking of uh, faucet and water and everything, you just heard what I said. You heard Clay say it too. Get in the sea. You want to cleanse yourself. That's what you do. Purge yourself of this Ranger season and and, and emerge and you're a Giants fan. Lickety split. And by the way, you're Yanks and uh, Sal's Metropolitans, perhaps on a collision course. Um, Aaron Judge keeps hitting the ball out of the yard. So good times for you to turn the page there. Also, Avalanche and Lightning at the time of this recording about the drop the puck and looking forward to that one the names make me sick though make no bones i appreciate people reaching out to me in my time of need you know i hate in sport there are few things i have more disdain for than teams with a singular mascot avalanche is the avalanche gonna win the cup or are the avalanche gonna win the cup same thing for you lightning and then have people think you're trying to be cute with me about well would a lightning beat an avalanche i don't know what would win i don't know i i can't make any sense of it it's terrible we need an s after all these things we have to have rules don't you understand that Phil Mickelson doesn't play by rules. And now you see what's happened to him over there in the live tour. And I like that the thing with him in the live tour is, and a lot of these guys keep, keep saying this to, to, um, to rationalize why they, uh, why they're in the live tour. They're like, it's not just about the money. The live tour is going to do good things for the game of golf as though the game of golf is a sickly child that one must do charity for it's professional golf. Stop, stop rationalizing and just say, I made I made a hundred million dollars. What did you want me to do? At least I could respect that. I couldn't respect the decision to actually do that, but at least I could respect your you as an honest uh, um, person, as opposed to whatever jive you're trying to sell to yourself as well as the rest of us. Um, and one other thing I have to say before we get our hockey picks in here, spaghetti is uh, well, two things. Um, my, we had a wonderful time at uh, at the lake. It was great. The kids had uh, so many fun activities and everything. But I was upset because we went out for breakfast a couple of times. And in both of these breakfast places, it's bacon or sausage. And in, on both times, both times, I went sausage because I just assumed, unlike Phil Mickelson, that this, that this restaurant would be an honest broker with me. When I see sausage, I don't think to ask. I just assume you're going to give it to me in a link. What are we doing with sausage patties? I yeah. uh, listen. Sausage patties are fine if you need it in your breakfast, but but also people overstate that. Well, it has to be in patty form if you want to put it inside a muffin or a bagel. No, you don't. No, what, what jive are you trying to sell? Slice it. That's all. But let's say that it is better as a patty. Then we can put those on the side. And if you're ordering a sausage sandwich, then give me it as a patty. If that's if that's your thing. But what are we doing, Spaghetti? What are we, what are we, in a world in which your sausage meat can be encased as a sausage, why are we turning it into a cheap hamburger? There's nothing worse. Yeah, that's a terrible feeling. I, I totally agree with you. The, you always assume link, and you also like kind of hope that you're getting one of those links that maybe have like a mixture in, like a, like a sweet link. Like I love the yeah. sweet salty mix, and then giving like a, a burnt, like a, a thin hamburger patty style sausage is just like 
yeah, you don't want that. I, I used to love going out for breakfast. And then as I've gotten older, I've gotten really good at cooking various breakfast items. And it's like, why am I paying 13, 14, $15 for like a two egg omelet? I could stay at home, make a five egg omelet and pay nothing. It's just so it's just one of those things where breakfast could be, even if you're not a good chef, I think most people could do a good breakfast. So it's fun going out and getting them, but like, mm. you're like kind of like country diner. I, I know the area you're in. It's a great area. I love that area. Um, I, they do have a lot of good diners over there and breakfast spots, but yeah, that's just like, it, cause when that happens to you, you just get so like underwhelmed. You're like this, this stinks. My I'm getting jaded. Out. I'm getting jaded about my breakfast uh, meals out. I, I hear your noise. Yes. One, you make an interesting point is for non-expert chefs, is breakfast the easiest to make? Because 100%. I can push back and say, well, but I can make you a peanut butter sandwich, but is that going to be good? I can make a tasty breakfast, even though I'm not a great cook. I think you're onto something there. It, it's hmm. All you got to do is crack an egg. You can, you can find yourself some bacon. Go out and get the better bacon. Go to, like, your butcher and get That's the, right. um, like, you know, your, your your sea salt, like, peppercorn bacon. Like, I love a, pep- a good, thick pepper bacon. You want to talk about sausage, go get your sausage links. Uh, you know, slice them in half, and you can grill those things in the pan you even put your breakfast on an actual outdoor grill that always works i mean it's so easy to make eggs good you can make a good egg sandwich at home like there's no reason to go and spend 15 dollars on an egg omelet out i think where it comes to dinner and lunch now cooking chicken and your red meats that gets a little bit tougher i think anyone if you're a novice i think breakfast is the way to go I, I, you're probably right about that. And, um, I can make the hell out of a grilled cheese. I can make a delicious grilled cheese for the kids. Beth, my wife, she's recently heard and is now employing mayonnaise on the bread. Fat to that on a grilled cheese. It sounds gross to me. I, I don't like mayonnaise period. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, like I say, I'm getting jaded. I made an audible noise and you could say once bitten, twice shy, Dave, I got fooled. You fooled me once. Shame on, shame on you. But the second time in three days when that plate was put down in front of me and it had sausage patties on it, I made an audible noise of disgust and the, the, the server didn't know why. But um, the rest of the table understood what what where my upset was owed to. It, you know, it, it an otherwise perfect vacation, sullied by that. Not unlike these uh, these Stanley Cup finals here between the Avalanche and Lightning being sullied by those stupid names, Bolts and Avs. Fine, I know we can work around it by going Bolts and Avs, but that's rationalizing and letting these teams off the hook for their disgraceful decision to name themselves what they did. Now. That aside, let's make our picks here for the series, Eddie Spaghetti. We can do game one, Lightning plus a goal and a half in Colorado for game one. Avalanche minus 180 to win the cup overall. The Lightning plus 155. I get the star power. That's what people are going to vibe to, especially when it comes to hockey. Among the four major sports, people who aren't diehard fans are going to seize on the biggest names from the two teams. So Stamkos, you're going to hear a lot about him, and Kucherov, and McKinnon, and Makar. But it is not a small matter that Braden Point is now in for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and Nazem Kadri is out for the Avalanche. It almost is enough for me to take the Lightning, but... My fandom is getting in the way. My gut says, take Colorado. They're the team of destiny. They sold out the future to win right now. I think they get it done. I'm going to take the avalanche. I'm going to say Kale McCarr is your Con Smythe winner. Forget this pap about Connor McDavid or otherwise. Look at his point totals historically. That's not going to matter in a week from now when the Edmonton Oilers are a distant memory. 
aside from Connor McDavid's nightlife uh, uh, people capturing him on their on their cell phones doing things that are untowards. You can look that up if you don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, Eddie Spaghetti, how say you? Well, to go to your earlier point about the the team names and stuff, I was thinking. I mean, I know that the Colorado Avalanche in their current form are a newer team, but they were a descendant of the Nordiques and stuff. But the Lightning are a fairly newer franchise, but they both have a history to them. Obviously, you go back and think. I think of like the Forsberg, Bork, Sackick Avalanche team that won, and then Lightning, obviously, back in the day with a young Marty St. Louis, Vanilla Collier, I believe they had Andrew Chuck, a bunch of other guys there. So they fairly newer teams, but have a, a history, which is... Boy, look I, at the 10-year-old Eddie Spaghetti knowing I, about the, the I, early aughts. I love, love those uh, those Lightning teams. Vinny LeCavalier is one of my favorite players. Big, I love Vinny LeCavalier, too. Yeah. He was a poor man's Lemieux. I, 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 that's actually a perfect com- uh, comparison. I, de- I definitely think that. Um, I'm going to stick with the, uh, the, the my pick of the Avalanche. I was saying yesterday to Sal Medithra and, and AEO that I think we're having a little bit of recency bias with favoring the Lightning a little bit more than we really should. The Rangers were a very, very bad 5-5 five and five team as of late in that series, and they were just flat-out injured. I mean, like, you know, Hedl was messed up. Strom was messed up. They took Cabo Caco, who was one of their strongest players, with the puck out of the lineup in, in that last game of the series. Like, there were just things that they were, you know, Ryan Lindgren, very injured. I just don't see a rested Avalanche team. And, yes, I know they're missing Kadri. It looks like he's doubtful for game one, but I think they're going to try to push him back in that lineup, especially for later on in that series, because he is an important piece. But I still think there's enough firepower there with uh, the Avalanche, and they're very well-rested. I think it's going to be a night and day thing to uh, what the Lightning were, were used to. Um, if I had to pick a Con Smythe winner, I'm not going to go chalk with McCarr. I'm actually going to go McKinnon. I think you know if they're looking to score goals, and that's how that's how they're going to win this game. Obviously, is like not to, if they're not going to win scoring two or three goals. They're going to have to score four or five goals to win these games. And I think you know Cal McCarr will get his assist, but I think what voters will remember is McKinnon. Maybe I think he's going to have a couple multi multi goal games here. I think he's really going to dominate. We saw in stretches. Uh, in that last series with the Avalanche, how he just can go, you know, from goal to goal with the puck by himself and score, and he's going to create a lot of offense. So I just really like them. And there's one funny tweet I did say, I forgot who tweeted it, but they said, you know, with the Rangers, we'll, we'll see if, if the Avalanche are winning these games two, three, you know, you know, two to th- three to two, whatever scores like four to three, whatever. Um, we'll say, okay, the Rangers were, were pretty close uh, in being one of the elite teams because they obviously went toe-to-toe close enough with the Lightning. If the Avalanche are winning these games, like 6-1, 6-2, Vasilevsky's just looking like garbage, then they are they're a ways away. And I, I somehow kind of think that the Avalanche will win some of these games by a pretty wide goal margin. I, I just don't think, you know, Melrose or whoever said this Lightning team, this current one is the best one of the, of the, of the three in a row. I just definitely don't agree with that in any sense. I just think they're not as deep as they were in the past. So all these words basically saying, I, I think the Avalanche could win this series in five. I'll, I'll say Avalanche in six, but I would not be shocked. It's a shorter series. It's crazy. The lack of imagination that these analysts uh, have, like everybody, one thing you hear consistently from these guys is it's going to go seven. This can't not be a classic. Yeah, it can be. It could, it could yeah. not be a classic. One team could uh, dominate the other. Um, I think my prediction is, Look at the totals, and if you if they seem a little low to your eye, I think the over is the way to go. That's the way it is largely gone. It's you know the the Lightning and uh, and Rangers and the Rangers and Canes 
kind of push that down a little bit. There are a couple of exceptions or, you know, first round there, you know, flames and wild were pretty consistently going under the, the over under, but for the most part, what you see where this is trending, that, um, teams are scoring a lot of goals, even in the Stanley cup playoffs, when those goal totals usually go down, I think that's where it's going. That's where the Avs want it to go. And by the way, that's my point with Braden point is the lightning. Can, let, let's not ignore that. The lightning can play that kind of puck. I mean, they, they have some high end talent on their end, uh, on their side of things too. So if it does get into more of a shootout, I don't think the lightning are dead in the water. I am going to stick with the abs though. Like I say, I know it's not much fun to say Makar. I do think he's the best player on the ice and it is a star laid nice surface for these finals. And uh, we'll catch, we'll talk more about the NBA finals with Hench when he joins us. We're recording this on Wednesday, and we're going to kibitz with him again uh, just tomorrow on Thursday. But in the meantime, Spaghetti, do you think that the Warriors get it done? Minus 380 to win the to win this series, or do you want to roll the dice and go with the Celtics at plus 300? Well, I, I, you know, we did talk about this early on in the series that, like Hench was pointing out, that you know the Celtics struggle with a team like the Heat or whatever, and the and the Warriors have way better, more talented scorers. And like that last game, you know, Wiggins was the high scorer and the leading rebounder too, I believe, on the team. But they kind of stopped Steph Curry. So in a weird way, like what the Celtics wanted to do worked. The problem is their side offensively, like Jason Tatum really wasn't the guy they needed him to be. And so part of me is like, well, if the Celtics do that again, they could stop Steph Curry and force one of the other guys to be the leader. They just need their guys on offense to to score. And I think that will happen. So I will say that the Celtics kind of have the key to maybe slowing down certain players on defensively. They just need their guys on offense. Um, You know, obviously uh, Jalen and and Jason Tatum to to step it up. And I'm going to side with the Celtics in this one. I still think they're the more complete team they can get it done. Well, I agree with that, but now it's been two in a row for Jason Jason Tatum not rising up to the occasion. Clay Thompson did after he took his bath in the Pacific. He was born anew, but does he does he roll the dice and make the mistake of seeing if the Atlantic provides the same magical medicinal um, properties and take a dip in the bay and wash off? the powers that the Pacific imbued him with. You could do that in Boston, right? You can jump into the Atlantic. Oh, sure. And it, honestly, so, it's probably it's probably way warmer right now than the Pacific Ocean is, especially up uh, near the Bay Area. It's probably freezing. I wonder if it is like, you know, a magnet thing, if they would cancel each other out. That's something to watch because Clay Thompson traditionally has big game sixes. And like we've talked about, Steph is very likely to get his. It wasn't a winning formula in game five to basically – not shut down Steph, but by by his measure, they they shut him down. And then Wiggins and um, Clay stepped up here. I think this one's going seven. So we'll move that one. Uh, we'll, we'll kick that one to Kevin Hench for that conversation. And right now we will get ready for Brad Spielberger to talk some pro football. It's getting close, Eddie Spaghetti. But before we jump to that, Baseball season is upon us. You should be swinging for the fences on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $200 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. All sorts of uh, same-game parlays out there for you to bet on. You can do it on the money line, the total, the player, a player prop. 
um, so on and so forth. Aaron Judge is looking like a solid bet each and every day. Just make sure you sign up with the promo code minus three, the word minus, the number three, to get in on the action. Like I say, all different ways to bet it. Just make sure you're doing it. And the best way to create big juice on it, the same game parlay. Give FanDuel a shot, and you can turn a $5 bet into $200 in free bets. Win or lose. Let's get in a quick break right now and get to Spielberger. All right, here he is, everybody, from PFF and OverTheCap.com. He is the preeminent salary cap whiz. He's a Vandy man, a Tulane man, and a pal of minus three. He's Brad Spielberger. What's the poop, fella? How are you? Doing well. How about yourself? Very well. Uh, a little bit better with the news that uh, my favorite football team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, have re-signed Minka Fitzpatrick. I'm also enthused about the... You know, it's not that far away now. We're inside of uh, of 100 days now. Nay, inside of 90 even, I think, until NFL kicks off here. Uh, meantime, though, I notice you're a hockey guy, if that's emerged on social media of late. Are you a Blackhawks fan? Yep. Uh, played hockey my entire life. It's actually probably my top sport, but I try not to, oh, really? you know. Yeah, I try to spam the timeline too much. But yeah, diehard hockey fan, Blackhawks fan my whole life. Yep. Good for you. So you got to, I'm, I'm guessing you really, um, it, it aligned ideally for you. The Taves and, and Kaner years, the glory years lined up perfectly with your youth, right? One in high school, two in college. Yeah, it was, it was you can't uh, beat that. Right. You cannot beat that timing. <laughs> oh, that's so perfect. So, um, now the thing that brought hockey that uh, made me aware that you're a big hockey guy was that you believe in the taboo of touching the conference trophies. You think that that's a, a no-no to touch the trophies. What do you think about LeBron James now, because he's a part of the Fenway group, he touched the Stanley Cup. Is this a pox on the Penguins going forward? Ooh, it's a fair question. Yeah, it's it's not great news. You know, I don't think the Columbus Blue Jackets were uh, winning anytime soon, but it's probably not good for them either. <laughs> All right, let's let's take a hard right turn into uh, to a serious matter that's become completely absurd, in my opinion. It was absurd the day the Browns decided to move on from Baker Mayfield and go after problematic Deshaun Watson. We knew that there was more to this story. It wasn't hard to predict that. I don't even remember the number of accusers at the time they signed him, but of course it shouldn't surprise anybody that more have emerged now. Um what do you what do you think happens going forward? Do you think he gets shut down for a season? Do you think the Browns, despite their statements last week, that they're still all in on Deshaun, no worries about what's going to happen? This is going to resolve itself. Do they try to get out from under the contract? How say you? I think the Browns have no choice but to be all in. Um, there are protections on his money, not only for this year, but also for next year, for anything that arises out of this situation. And if I had to guess, that means all 66 people named the New York Times article, not just, like you said, I think it was 22 at the time when he was traded. Now there are 26 civil suits. So the Browns, I think, have no choice. They're entirely all in. As for the NFL, I think they've learned from some issues in the past that you have to just wait until everything comes out. Do not make a decision, and then more things trickle out, and you have to go back on it, and then there's agreements and all this stuff. So I think something's coming. Full season could could potentially be on the table. I think a half season's more realistic, but, I mean, it depends on how many more things still come out from this, this whole situation. 
Why so? Because Deshaun will sue the league if they try to shut him down for a year. Is that is that the reason why it wouldn't be? A, because it's it's a bad look for what it matters, and I don't think ultimately professional sports league. Like I think they 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 worry about it until they don't worry about it anymore, and they move on to other matters. But I, it does seem to me that. If you have Calvin Ridley sitting down for sprinkling sprinkling some loose change on pro football games he's not involved in, it's going to be a bad look if you give Deshaun Watson half that time off, right or no? No, I'm with you 110%. And we have seen with the Ezekiel Elliott case, you know, a lot of folks are saying, well, two grand juries now have found him completely innocent. Not, I shouldn't say that. Have not found enough evidence to bring charges. Um, and the NFL has shown in the past that they don't really think they have to just follow that. Ezekiel Elliott also, I'm pretty sure charges weren't even filed, but he still got six games because they gathered their own evidence and, and found enough. So, um, yeah, the, the comparison to really is interesting. You know, obviously I agree with the logic there, but I think for them, you know, integrity of the game matters more than, than frankly anything else. It's kind of, to make an analogy, Dan Snyder's been doing awful things for 20 years, and now the thing that might actually get him booted is taking money from the other owners because um, that's what they actually care about. Well, that's that is my conspiracy theory that I keep pushing uh, here is that the owners aren't I mean, they're billionaires. And for me to evaluate the morality of other people and what they need to do, I think what they're worried about is two hundred and thirty million dollars guaranteed to any football players, let alone this guy. And I feel like. Goodell has the room now because the other 31 ownership groups are mad at the Haslam's for guaranteeing that level of bank that this gives him the perfect opportunity to drop the hammer and and chill any other ownership group considering uh, sp- spending that amount of money on a player. Is that is that uh, too big a reach for you? No, I think we underestimate how much Goodell is just acting on behalf of 32 billionaires, like you said. It's, you know, so if that's what the others think and feel, um, I know we've seen some comments like Ravens owner Steve Bashotti, who obviously is dealing with a Lamar Jackson situation, kind of said, I wish they didn't do that. Um, so, yeah, maybe you're onto something there. Well, uh, before we get to Lamar, let's talk about Bake. And I'm on the record. I've been consistent with this, um, you know brassy guy you know obnoxious uh depending on which team you're rooting for in a given football game um i like him i like him i I think he is not among the half dozen best in the league but i think he doesn't necessarily lose you games i think he is a right uh firmly planted in the beefy middle class that uh, of quarterbacks in pro football now i think he got a raw deal i i said that at the time i said he is battling through a bad shoulder injury, and this is going to be held against him, and so it was as they uh, chase Deshaun Watson. Now what, though? Do you think my prediction has been the Carolina Panthers for him all along? Is that the way it's going to go down, and is it does it just come down to figuring out the percentage of which professional football team is paying the bulk of his contract? So it sounds like they are the ones that are obviously pushing it, but I think where it gets interesting is when, let's say the two sides do kind of agree on a number, does that number, once it leaks out, maybe entice some other teams to join the conversation? So it's obviously almost 19 million in total. Let's say the Browns say, all right, we'll eat 13 or 14 million of that. Carolina will take on five or six million. Do the Tampa Bay Buccaneers say, well, we need a backup quarterback. We need a starter after this year. Um, maybe if it's just $5 million and a fourth round pick, we'll do that too, right? Like then hmm. once the number, the dollar figure is settled, do other teams kind of jump in at the end and see if they can beat out Carolina? That's where I think it gets interesting. Do you see any way 
I mean, that makes sense, by the way, to me, that Baker Mayfield landing in Carolina, and and I do predict, I will see with Matt Rule and how all that shakes out. If he lands in Carolina, I think Browns fans are going to be absolutely sick that that they moved on from that guy as they watched Deshaun Watson not play and Jacoby Brissett start games unless you think there's any way. Most of the time, the leverage that the coaches that the team has over a player is Hey, Bake, if you no-show us, we need you to start. You're under contract. And if you don't, that's going to be a bad look for your next potential employer. Not in this case. Do you think there's any of the 31 other teams out there that would hold it against Bake if he refuses to show up and play for the Cleveland Browns who willfully uh, went and signed Deshaun Watson? I don't think so in this case. And I think we saw with them excusing him from minicamp because um, I thought they would maybe go that route and even find him and, and recoup some of that money on a weekly basis um, if they felt they had to go that way. And that was it would be their method of getting money back. But no, I think the other teams understand it. I will say, though, I do think the fact that I, I mean, I personally haven't seen a single teammate kind of stand up for him or say he got a raw deal. I think he needs an attitude adjustment in some ways or a locker room adjustment because obviously that was not really working in his favor either. That's an interesting, because uh, th- I felt like, I, I, I'm just reading between the lines. I felt like Nick Chubb came off as unhappy about it. And there have been a couple of voices out there. And, you know, you're on the team and they're paying you. So it is a tough spot to to speak out on that. I do think ultimately it was the Odell stuff. I think Odell destroyed that guy's chances in Cleveland on his way out the door by forcing that trade. And who would have seen that coming at the time he was drafted? I always refer back to... A conversation I had the day he was drafted with one of the one of one of the big highbrow draft analysts out there, and I said, "Do you believe in Baker Mayfield with Odell Beckham and the and the big personalities?" And he said, "Listen, in my experience, peacocks always fall back on a, for a lion, and Baker is a lion." And the peacock, who was Odell in this uh, case, ended up getting the better of uh, Bake. Now, what about Lamar Jackson? He has. Been a lion on the, well, not a Detroit lion. I just mean he's been really good. King of the jungle and all that kind of stuff. Um, Where are you, though? We we had this conversation in season. Update me if you can. It still doesn't seem smart for him to be um, representing himself. Um, And as far as I'm concerned, that starts with him saying, oh, I'm going to show up and play no matter what. That is not a great idea from where I sit, especially given the style of of football, how he plays. Do you think that that's a moot point um, and that a deal is done before kickoff 2022? I I genuinely have no idea. And maybe it's because he is his own agent. So we're not getting any sort of intel or kind of insights into how that operation's going. The the Ravens are a pretty tight knit group as well. Um, The thing is they are willing to, to negotiate in season. There are some teams like your Pittsburgh Steelers that say as soon as week one hits, we're done talking until after the year. The Ravens do not have that strategy. But do you want to be talking to your franchise quarterback when you're trying to watch film and get ready for the next opponent and you're also talking dollars and cents? I, I doubt you want to do that at all. So I frankly have no clue. I, I don't think anyone has a clue what's going on here. Maybe he does view situations like a Kirk Cousins and say – that could be the way to maximize your earnings. But as you said, him and Kirk Cousins, I think you would argue, have a little bit of different playing styles on the football field. Yeah, I mean, you know, there there are any number of examples. Tom Brady all, uh, always comes to mind getting hit in the knee in the first half of the first game after almost going 19-0. and 0. Um, You know, Drew Brees had the shoulder. You know, he wasn't exactly a running QB. But really, given the style that Lamar 
has uh, has used and RG three. I thought it was a fascinating post that RG three made on social media that he that Lamar has a sense of when to get down and not take big hits. And really, that's the crux of it. RG three didn't have that ability. He could not gauge, and neither could Michael Vick, when exactly he was about to get blown up and get down just in time. Uh, Lamar Jackson has largely possessed that talent. Not last year, though. I thought teams were, I thought players were catching up with him a little bit, smacking him a little bit. Then he misses basically the the whole second half of the season. Do you think Baltimore is informed by what they saw in 2021 and is maybe a little more spooked than they would have been a year ago? I do. I, I frankly do. And I agree with those sentiments. If you go back and watch this film, he, he does t- seem to get down when he should or just get out of bounds and not fight for that extra yard if he doesn't need to. But yeah, last year, that was not necessarily the case. And like you said, sometimes it only takes one hit, you know, to to knock it out for a full season or, or even longer. So I will say, I don't think Baltimore is afraid to make him one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. But Let's say he's pushing to be, you know, above Deshaun Watson or, you know, something like that. Maybe they are balking at that request. And and it, it's just, yeah, I, I just I can't tell you how difficult it must be to have this conversation between the two sides. He is generational and, and phenomenal, um, but there's just so much more that goes into this for me. Yes, he was excellent on his rookie contract. They also had the most expensive defense in the NFL, had a great offensive line. Weapons weren't great. So, you know, you can make that argument, but. Can you build a roster around him when he is one of the most expensive quarterbacks in the NFL? As great as he is, I think that is a bigger question in their building than a lot of folks outside of the building are giving credit for. Yeah, it seems right. The Ravens are in a kind of a tough spot, which is from a PR standpoint, it would be atrocious if Lamar got out of the joint, you know? On the other hand, though, for what it matters and playing into your 40s doesn't necessarily matter right now in 2022 if you're the Baltimore Ravens and have your franchise QB. But again, for for what it's worth, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees are the guys that play into their 40s for a reason. They're pretty clean, um, you know, at the end of at the end of a game. Roethlisberger, Cam Newton, Mike Vick worn out uh, prematurely, probably. Um, it, it feels like, well, that's got to be part of the equation. But if you were to say that as the Ravens, you you would be the bad guy in that. They, it, they are kind of jammed up. And you also do. There is Hollywood Brown. Oh, you know, Lamar Jackson's uh, a friend of mine. I just don't love that offense. You know, I think that is going to be a recurring theme. It's already begun. I think it's going to be a recurring theme, though. If you're a, a great wide receiver going into your second contract, why would you want to be on the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, no, 100%. He's coming off a 1,000-yard season, too. I mean, especially with Mark Andrews in the building as well, one of the best tight ends in the league. Yeah, they need guys like Rashad Bateman that they draft to be really good players and and productive early on in their careers because, again, not a knock on him, but if you're a – it's not a smart financial decision if you're a receiver trying to get paid – like a Juju Smith-Schuster trying to get a one-year flyer and then get paid, why would he even consider the Baltimore Ravens? And and this is some picking up on a conversation uh, we had six months ago. But again, the cap has gone up to accommodate largely to accommodate quarterbacks making insane. What what would have been? Well, it's still insane, but would have been an apocalypse a decade ago if you would have looked at and said quarterbacks make what now? Um, But given that despite the, the rise in the cap, how much do you think? it is going to hurt the overall Baltimore Ravens product when Lamar Jackson's cap hit elevates to, I mean, exponentially from where it is now. 
Yeah, a lot, a lot. Because he does, at the, at the same time that he can kind of produce more by himself than maybe you could argue any quarterback in the NFL, I mean, they need a good offensive line. And then, you know, they're, they're a team that wants to prioritize defense and spend a lot on defense, get the ball back in his hands. Um, it, it's just, I, I think it's more of a challenge than, you know, a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen getting that huge deal and the team still being able to be good enough around them. Like, like a Tyree Kill, for example, you know, leaving Kansas City, obviously it's a big loss. But if I'm them, I'm saying I have met Patrick Mahomes. The whole point of paying him is that I don't have to worry about spending so much money on his weapons. Um, I don't know if I would feel the same way. Say, hey, I don't care about you know losing tackles or losing receivers or losing Mark Andrews. Like, I just think those guys are more important in, in a Baltimore Ravens offense. Yeah, it's a slow burn, but I mean, it was easy to point to a couple of years ago with Patrick Mahomes. I, I you know, uh, consistently have been saying Patrick Mahomes has already been on the best roster he's ever going to be on because of the amount of money he commands from the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and Tyreek Hill is, you know, saying the right things about uh, his new team, his new QB. But a lot of people with the Chiefs are now, I, I feel like, rationalizing, like, this is this is the better offense now. This is they, they, they needed to move on from Tyreek Hill because the league had figured out what they wanted to do with Tyreek Hill, and now moving the chains 10 yards at a time is the way the Chiefs are going to win games. Do you feel, do, do you agree with that, or are you with me that it's kind of a rationalization that um, obviously Tyreek Hill in your offense makes you a better offense? Yeah, no, it's a total rationalization. I mean, he's a force multiplier where his presence makes everything more difficult for the entire defense. But I will say, in my opinion, what they did is they traded in a five-year dynasty for chasing a 10-year dynasty. That's what I would do. They're still a good football team. Um, you know, they tried to replicate his speed to a degree. But, yeah, I mean, if you that's what the Patriots did. That's why they were good for 20 years. If they paid all their Tyree kills, it would not have lasted as long as it did. As far as that goes, then, are wide receivers the new running back, which is to say, no matter how good they are, or maybe with a couple of rare exceptions, giving a huge second contract to a superstar wide receiver is a bad idea. Applying my old running back theory, which is gold is valuable because it's a rarity. And that's why in fantasy football, you want to draft a running back high because there aren't very many great running backs, three down running backs. Now, great wide receivers are kind of a dime a dozen. How say you? So there are a lot of great ones. I mean, eight guys signed deals for over 20 million per year this offseason already. Could be 10 with, you know, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, uh, you know, Deontay Johnson at this point, maybe. So there are a there is a ton of talent there. Every draft class brings in new guys that are, you know, immediate impact players. But I just think the actual on-field impact of what these guys can do is still more. But yeah, the replaceability, you know, is is the main argument behind the running back thing and obviously there's a lot of good guys in that position. Yeah, it'll be I don't know how many of these guys if they didn't if they haven't already literally been paid. Let's see what happens with McLaren here, but um, I think if you haven't gotten that big contract that you were looking for, that th this is the offseason of wide receivers going after um, the giant bag here. And if you didn't get it, I think a lot of teams are going to kind of recognize that's a bad, uh, you know, it's uh, another recurring observation of mine is very few Cooper Cup notwithstanding. Um, very few Super Bowl winning teams, not playoff teams, teams that go to the Super Bowl and end up getting over, have that 
dynamite 1A super Calvin Johnson, Randy Moss. Uh, those guys didn't win Super Bowls. They didn't go to Super Bowls. Well, Randy Moss did and lost with the Patriots. But but I think you you pick up my point. Is that uh, am I on to something there? No, it's true. I mean, you look at, you know, Julio Jones and, and DeAndre Hopkins and all, and all these teams. It, it is tough. Um, and I think, again, like I always point to the Patriots, but like, like they've always shown just spreading it out, having a lot of good options. I've done some kind of research on that. Like the Saints, it was more of the playoffs and the Saints would be the best offense in the NFL with Michael Thomas. They reach the playoffs. The team takes that one one player away and they have nothing. Um, I think that is an underrated component is having that those tertiary options means a lot against good defenses, you know, in big games. It's it's the Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin syndrome. What works in July against the Pittsburgh Pirates doesn't work against uh, stacked lineups that you see in the postseason. I think that's exactly right. The best defenses in pro football can take away your number one option. Then what are you going to do? I think there, there, there's something to that. Now, speaking of uh, the Steelers, which we started out with, and they're never far from my brain, I asked this for Steelers fans. Why does PFF hate the Steelers? <laughs> it's a great question. It's, it's funny. It's a, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a joke. I, I don't think that, but no, I do course. see it. I do see it a ton on social media. And I think the narcissism of social media that they, they made a list and they didn't rank my favorite football man high enough on it. And people getting, I mean, this is what they're spending their energy, our limited time on the big blue marble. People are spending some of that time belly aching about what some rain, the person put online about. They think this guy is a little bit better than that guy. I think is loco, but how say you? No, I will say, you know, when we put some stuff out and then people respond to it and are very angry about it and show that they didn't even <laughs> click on the link or whatever, we as analysts, I think, have some issues sometimes of then kind of going back at it. I think the big thing, though, was Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, with all That's due respect, right. he was winning games, but the fact that they were staying, he was still like a good quarterback. The guy literally just threw the ball three yards behind the line of scrimmage every single snap. It, it was, you know, he was terrible. Objectively, he was terrible. Um and then I also think some of the advanced data stuff, like what they start ten and zero two years ago, um, eleven but and zero. All yeah, the right. underlying data and the Pythagorean went through all that stuff was like this team, frankly, is not as good as their record. Um, which again, I get why fans don't want to pay attention to and all that stuff. But no, it's a fair question. I think we probably ribbed them a little <laughs> bit too much. If I'm being honest. <laughs> oh, I disagree. See, no, I see you're being nice. See, I think your your colleagues. Um, uh, at least a couple of them enjoy it as they should. Of course, this is what you they, you, you should go back at people who want to argue with you about their favorite football man and the disrespect that you have for him is amusing to me. Um, but as far as that goes, well, you know, let's talk about the Minka thing because that now is a year removed from the T.J. Watt gigantic contract. Cam Hayward makes a fair amount of bank. The Steelers in general is a defense are uh, are drawing a fair amount of loot. Is that wise if you were to counsel um, the the new front office uh, a little bit? Would you say you're devoting way too much money to an inessential side of the ball? It's a quarterback league if you if you haven't heard. Or is the fact that they got Trubisky on the cheap plus they now have a a, a quarter a first round quarterback under their control for the next five years? Are they now in that position a luxury to spend on a defense? Yeah. So, I mean, they are literally the most expensive defense in the NFL and, and they have the number 32, you know, offense in terms of spending the NFL. So maybe you don't want to be that drastic, but part of it is also just how things align. So you mentioned, of course, the rookie quarterback or the cheap quarterback, the offensive line is young. All the weapons are still on rookie contracts, including, you know, tight end and, and running back as well as the receivers. So, 
you know, they're good players that the high draft capital was used on. It's not like they also are using all their draft picks on defense and just have a hodgepodge of like fifth rounders on offense. But um, in a general sense, you know, it, it, it can, we, we will see that over the long haul offense is going to win you football games in today's NFL. Um, you want to maybe have a little bit more balance, but no, I mean, I think it's just kind of responding to the context of who who came up for deals on their team. And maybe Deontay Johnson gets a new deal and kind of, you know, skews that a little bit the other direction. But in a general sense, yes, the more replicable winning approach is having a better offense. Right. And and like I say, that sweet spot, though, is and, and in fact, the numbers bear it out in this millennium that even the perceived and actual best quarterbacks do most of their Super Bowl winning in that five year window that for uh, Tom Brady obviously warps all those things. And even with Tom Brady included in that, you'll see an outsized percentage of titles being won by great quarterbacks or otherwise in their first five years when they're under control of the team a little bit contractually. Um, Speaking of Super Bowls and the postseason, do you feel like as an analytics guy that, and I like analytics and I respect them and all that kind of stuff. I like how people have to talk about how they respect numbers. But anyway, um, I, I just said that I do. Um, do you feel like my issue with, with them is and people who push them who push them endlessly, it is that the angle uh, at some point requires that you diminish the visceral pleasure and excitement of the postseason. Because because then the conversation becomes, well, you can't look at QB wins. That's a too small a sample size. What's the whole point of the of of the sport is to win the title. So I think it does matter. How say you? So there's this funny meme that was going around a little bit ago, and it was like the analytics people, and they're kind of looking all depressed in the corner, and then it's like that boy fast people um, on the other side. I'll say this. From, from Monday to Saturday, I'm in the numbers. I'm crunching all that. On Sunday, I am looking for, you know, hard-nosed football, three yards in a cloud of dust. I become a total meathead um, on actual game day. If I, I think if you're sitting there on Sundays – and you're still like thinking math and stuff, I agree. You're not having as much fun as you could have watching the actual product. Well, then uh, be a fan for a second. How do you feel about the Chicago Bears 2022? Uh, I, I'm looking forward to the draft 2023 and a top five pick. That's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> no hope for Justin Fields. At least that that's a, a, a good uh, reason to take a look at him 17 times a year, right? Uh, no. Oh, trust me. I'll watch every second of it. I, I, uh, I do believe in Justin Fields. I actually think his game against your Pittsburgh Steelers last year was his best, his best film. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I think he could take strides, but I think the roster outside of him is probably the worst roster in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, uh, objectively, that's just an object, you know. So, all right, then give us, give us, uh, we'll, we'll uh, avoid pro football then, uh, as you, as you leave us here. Um, better food town, New Orleans or Nashville? New Orleans by a landslide, and I like Nashville's food. Yeah, Nashville has good food, but you're exactly right. If there's a place to go, go on an eating binge for one weekend or a long weekend, I I think it's New Orleans. And in fact, if you can only visit one American city for a long weekend, I advocate for New Orleans. At least New Orleans over Las Vegas. What are all the frat dudes running off to Vegas for when New Orleans is within uh, these United States, right? Amen. I'm with you there 100%. And I've, I've spent too much time in both. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've uh, taken up too much of your time, but we appreciate catching up with you. The great Brad Spielberger, all the answers. Don't don't speculate. Dumb guys like me wasted way too much of our time trying to figure out what the cap hit's going to be in three years and everything else. 
Spielberger's got it all laid out for you over the cap.com and then also the great work on uh, PFF. Make sure you check it out. Appreciate the time, pal. Thank you. Have you been to New Orleans, by the way? No, never been. Never oh been my god oh yeah. my god yeah that's got to be your first order of business jada your girlfriend loves food you love food you two can be in love together and eat grilled oysters and otherwise you'll go wild you may not return yeah but that, uh, you may there. eat yourself to death there in three days because there is no healthy option there is no salad to to make yourself feel better for one meal it's just all fried all delicious that's really my last um like major american city to hit i think i've hit pretty much all of them luckily through travel one way or the other so yeah new orleans for a number of reasons I want to get down there bourbon street uh the food i've heard uh, even just walking around the city with the architecture and all that kind of stuff it's very cool to take in so uh, I, I do want to get there quite soon it definitely is one of those places when you get there there's no mistaking where you are just mm-hmm. the, the the like you say the architecture and everything is is singular um well, we, we talked about it last autumn. Let's make it so this autumn. Let's make an extra points trip to Baton Rouge. Everybody says, I've never been to an... I, I'm trying to think, have I ever been to an SEC game, period? I don't think I have. That We should we should uh, rectify that. And, I, and how people say, night game in Baton Rouge can't be beat. Let's, uh, let's um, take people... Uh, at their word and go and check it out ourselves. I, I would be out of my mind to do yeah to go down to the the SEC country see a game. I've never likewise never seen an SEC football game either. Um, I'm a huge college football fan. I think that would be the most fun trip with uh, with the EP crew. I don't even get. I, I'm not going to be a snob about it. It doesn't have to be Bam. It could be Central Arkansas State. I don't care who they huh. play in this one. That's like you know. It's like when you use your tickets. Uh, on the little kids on uh, preseason games like they don't know the difference I I won't care I'll I'll enjoy myself we'll get good and drunk and uh, that'll be that all right good times uh, Eddie Spaghetti Um, we have Robert Ori coming for you on extra points on Thursday I know that because we've just already done that uh, interview great stuff from him about the finals matchup and beyond about his career his nickname all the rest of us uh, rest of it make sure you check that out and of course we'll be back here on minus three with Kevin Hench in about 24 short hours from now so until then for Brad Spielberger and Eddie Spaghetti make sure you're checking out everything on the extra points network and we'll talk to you soon until then thanks so much sports fans it's been a thin slice of heaven 